TKW draft season presented by TKW and Whistle Sports. I am your co-host Jay Ryan. Of course, I'm here with my co-host Nick Caronte. What's up, Nick? Stick on mute. Not a whole lot. It is there a it very is. good day, and I'm excited to talk about Killian Hayes. Cool. And uh, today we have a very special. We're we're breaking out the core four today. Uh, Eli Cohen is back. Eli, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Uh, I think there's three pods in three days, so I'm, Look at I'm us. feeling pretty honored. Look yeah. at us go. <laughs> Machines. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Mike Cortez, is back for draft season, baby. What is going on? What is up? He's what is back. up? He's Let's back. go. Excited to be back. <laughs> he left us for the main pod. It's fine. We're trying to forgive him. Not at all. <laughs> well, I think we're all pretty excited about today's episode to get <clears throat> into our into our guy Killian Hayes. Um, so let's just get right into it. So Killian is a 19-year-old 6'5 point guard. Um, he's actually born in the U.S. but raised in France. He played professionally there for two years and then most recently played in Germany. Um Mike, why why are you hyped on Killian? Why are you excited to talk about him today? I just think he is somebody that can actually fall in our range and would solve a lot of our problems. And I've actually had almost, a, I don't want to say second guess, but kind of a pause on what that would actually mean for the team, which I'm more excited to talk about. But before that, big guard, two-way player, Kind of looks like James Harden when he hits that step back, baby. So I feel like we haven't had someone like that, at least in my conscience, fan existence. So something like that is, I feel like, an evergreen topic in New York. I think Killian would finally help put an end to that. For sure. Nick, uh, what what jumps off for you for Killian? Passing. Specifically live ball passing and, you know, the – left hand off the dribble passing. I mean, we've talked around a little bit comparing him to LaMelo and it's, it's hard to, to talk, you know, there are point guards one and two. So we'll, we'll talk about that at some point, I'm sure today, but the passing is, I, I think really special for him. And to round it off, Eli, I know you picked him in one of our mocks, which we'll get to, but um, what, what do you think, you know, is, is the best thing about Killian? Um, yeah, I think the passing is a clear place to start. Um, it's just really high level. He's one of the two or three best class passers in the class. And then the defense, I think, is really encouraging. Um, like, he's, he's just – he's big and he's strong and he has really good instincts as both – an on-ball and off-ball defender. Like, I think he's a really good off-ball playmaker. Um, and, yeah, the, the shot is obviously 
the the swing skill for him it's the thing that's gonna kind of determine his ceiling but like he has a really interesting like Mike said he has the step back he's got some really interesting shot creation um the the question is more like the mechanics for like catch and shoots and things like that but he's got an interesting in-between game he's got some floaters in his bag he can do some euro steps um good change of pace so he's just a really interesting and pretty well-rounded prospect Absolutely. So let's do a quick rundown of his stats from this past year. Again, he was playing in Germany, um, which so he also had some got some Euro Cup games under his belt uh, with this team. Uh, he averaged 25 minutes a game, 48 uh, percent shooting on 29 percent from three shot, 88 percent from the uh, line had 2.8 rebounds, five assists, um, almost two steals a game, and 11.5 points per game. Um, did notice that his points per game did have a little bit of an uptick in Euro Cup, which you like to see. He had 12.8 points per game in Euro Cup. Um, but, I mean, clearly I think it's easy to see. I mean, that it's 5.39 to be exact assists per game. Like, that obviously jumps off jumps off the page right away. Um, Eli, you mentioned like, or is it, was it Eli or Mike? I don't know. Uh, Someone mentioned, you know, a lot of people have mentioned James Harden uh, because of that step back. And because he's a lefty, many people know how I feel about lefties. It's just something about him. But uh, you know, he's, he, and I think he has that great size and playmaking ability. Um, There are some questions I think on his shot, but, I think part of it was his team wasn't too great this year in Germany. And I think some of his shots, he'd get a little bit of tunnel vision sometimes and just chuck some, but the free throw percentage is there. Um, I would say he's not overly explosive, but he knows how to use his body and his footwork to his advantage. Um, But he definitely needs to work on using his right hand. Like there are some clips I saw where, it was just blatant. Like he needs to know how to use that right hand. Um, Nick, are, is there anything that, you know, you have some reservations about in his game? Yeah. I mean, you said the, the shooting is, is, I think Eli referred to as the, the swing skill for him. It's interesting because the projections are there based off the free throws, you know, the mechanics, it, it looks good for, for off ball shooting. That would be the, the the thing that takes him to the next level i think he's an a good prospect with without that i i think that's the thing if you if you're gonna gonna break down killian as a prospect and and where that ceiling is if he gets to it's all all on that shooting and the off ball potential yeah and you you mentioned kind of comparing him to Lamelo, so this is kind of for all three of you in terms of the point guards since I feel like the Knicks I feel like we're always focusing on point guards for the Knicks where is he in your in your ranking of point guards in this draft Mike you can go first yeah Nick go first um we we had this conversation back on the original run (laughs) of of Draft season. When that Mike was, was literally that was before. literally in March. It was literally, was it the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, uh, quarantine March. had just started. I think. 
Yeah, I think we started late February, or even early late January. Yeah, yeah I think before the world shut down, we had these conversations, and I, I think I've changed just a little bit, but I think I'm I'm securely killing it as my my point guard one right now. Ooh. I yeah. I have them on the same tier, Lamelo and Killian. I think I've I'm steadfast in the belief that Killian is Lamelo without the media circus that comes with him. But now I'm starting to worry. I want to ask you guys this: If Killian is added, don't you think that cuts RJ out of the mix more than it does anyone else? Just because not beyond the lefty, but if Killian's going to be good here from the start, I feel like the ball is going to have to be in his hands. That's like the one worry I have is like, would it work well? But he is number one for me. Yeah, I I feel like there are definitely questions about their fit, but I also think that I'm not sure, like RJ is not at a point yet in his growth as like a potential top option where he can like, it's not like he's going to be in like a Luca heliocentric offense where everything is revolved around him. Like he's going to need people to have the ball in their hands to take pressure off of him. So if, like I said before, like Killian's off the dribble shooting is really good and his off the catch shooting is like pretty atrocious right now. Um, and that seems like something, and especially with his free throw percentages um, and his like just touch on floaters and things, it seems like something that eventually should kind of normalize but like he will have to work on the mechanics of his catch and shoot but if he can become a good off-ball player then I think that there's no reason that they can't coexist for me he's he's like I have him like just a hair behind LaMelo I think LaMelo is my number one um Killian is obviously a much better defender but to me LaMelo's ability to get to any spot on the floor is a kind of like a good amount uh, of an advantage over Killian because Killian is very crafty and uses his body well and changes speed well but it takes a lot of effort for him to get places on the floor when he's trying to like collapse defenses and even though Lamelo is not the most explosive his combination of weird shiftiness and just like crazy improvisation as a ball handler I think helps him get to places that most point guards struggle with um, and then uh, as just said, like Killian's right hand, I think some of it might be a little bit overstated, but he doesn't ever really pass with his right hand and his dribbling gets a lot harder. Like he, he seems to second guess himself a lot when he's going right or when he's trying to pass right. He usually goes back and tries to pass with the left hand. So I think that that's another place where I just have LaMelo having a slight edge. But honestly, I think that it's totally reasonable to have either one. I think that they're of a tier. I would just have LaMelo like that half like just a hair higher. I think the, the passing argument is interesting since they both have such high levels of playmaking. And I, I think because Killian, I, I, I think Killian is the best live, live dribble passer with his left hand. But because of the lack of the complete inability to use his right in passing lanes and going to his right, I think it's a slight edge for LaMelo just on, on overall passing and playmaking. So I think that's interesting. I mean, I think the comparison is going to be there because, I mean, as the top two point guards, it's always going to be. But then also with the similar, you know, 
with the playmaking being what it is and the shooting being the the two big things for both of them, I think they're there's going to be some very interesting comparisons, especially throughout their rookie year because of that. For me, I think one big difference is uh, just like flat out, just like ball handling, right? Like I think Lamelo has that in his bag a lot more than Killian does right now. Um, I think in some highlights I've seen of Killian, he, he kind of stops his dribble, I would say too soon. Um, and I think Lamelo probably just has some of that shiftiness a little bit more than than Killian does. But I mean, like you guys are saying, like like it's one A, one B, right? However you want to figure it out. I mean, like we've I've seen him all over mocks, and then you have someone like like Kevin O'Connor. He's number one on it. He's been number one on his big board since they released their NBA draft stuff, um, which I was kind of surprised about because it that was right around the time it felt like people stopped talking about Killian. And I think maybe that's just because of timing and um, not having seen him play and him being overseas maybe. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, this one major writer has him n- literally number one on his big board. Um, but I, there's just, again, we keep talking about it time and time again. Like there's so much variance in this draft and it's a lot of if this happens, then this will happen. And it's just a lot of trickle down where uh what happens a pick or two before yours is going to really determine what you do um so it's going to be interesting to see what happens so with that being said let let's take a look at where Killian's gone in our mock drafts so in 1.0 Eli you picked Killian you actually did a trade I believe uh at five um, yeah, I believe I traded. I was the Suns, right? And I traded. You were the Suns. You tra- uh, Cleveland traded the fifth overall pick to Phoenix for the tenth pick, Kelly Oubre Jr. and the Suns' twenty twenty two second round pick. So that's that's a pretty good package to to give up to to move up like that. Yeah, and to me, honestly, that was sort of like a a no brainer for the Suns. Like I know that Oubre had a really good year for them. But he's got one one more year, and they played really well in the bubble without him. Like I'm not saying that he's expendable. Like I think he had a really good year and is a good player. But Killian, I think, would just be the perfect piece to lock in long term next to Booker. Rubio's contract is going to be up in a year, I believe, and in the meantime, could be a really either a trade asset or a very good mentor. And then to have a defender and a shooter who's as big and versatile as Killian next to Devin Booker and alongside Mikhail Bridges and a pick and roll partner, pick and pop partner with DeAndre. And like, to me, that's just, that's beautiful. And they, and they've been working really hard to get shooters everywhere. And I know DeAndre Ayton is like trying to become a shooter. So the more shooting you can have around Killian, I think is important. And so, yeah, I thought that that was like a, I, I think that's one of my favorite, like obviously selfishly, I want him on the Knicks, but the Sun is probably my favorite just in terms of pure fit for him in the top 10. Yeah, I, sounds good to me. Mike, what do you think? No, I agree 100%. And we talked about this with a good friend, Robel, where if Killian comes to New York, he's going to kind of be asked to be the lead guard as well as at least the second or third top score, scoring option. And in Phoenix, he has no pressure on him to score. He can just be a facilitator and a defender, which I think – is where you want to start out with him first before he starts to get into shooting off the catch and 
doing everything else that we want him to do using his right. So I think that would be the ideal landing spot for him. But like Eli said, I think New York is where I obviously want him. Eli, you mentioned something that I don't think we talked a whole lot about, but that's Killian's defense. Um, I think I think he's definitely a, a plus defender. I really like his team defense too, uh, and the way he kind of sees the lanes and he can really get up into guys when he wants to. Um, Nick, do you do you see his defense being being on the plus side for Killian? Yeah, I think that's probably why I have him ahead of Lamelo. I mean, because it's very close. I think we all agree. But I, I have him as a plus defender as opposed to a, a minus. I, I think the, the defense is a legit plus, not just a, a kind of a neutral. I, I think he mm-hmm. will be a, a good team defender in the NBA. And then uh, in 2.0, Q took him at four for the build, uh, for the build, wow, for the Bulls. Um, he uh, this is what Q had to say in the mock draft. Despite a strong end to his rookie campaign, Kobe White feels like a combo guard as opposed to the creative point guard the Bulls need. Hayes is a two-way point guard option that can handle and create just as well as he can defend. An ideal backcourt partner for Zach Levine. He gives Chicago multiple options for their backcourt moving forward. Yep. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a lesser version of Phoenix, but yeah, same, same principle. Because I do think, not even it's not even a negative in his game, but if you had to rank the three main areas of his game, offense is like the one where he's going to have to take the leap from year one to two. Mm-hmm. So I think putting him in an offensive-minded system is probably the better move. Like if he comes to the Knicks, they're going to have to RJ's going to have to take a leap or Mitch. And they're going to probably have to add another high level score. Maybe Christian Wood is that guy, or maybe they get that guy later in the draft. But that's why I think Chicago Phoenix, um, I I know he goes, he went to the wizards in the last one. So that's kind of the same principle Beals there. So those type of places are a little higher ranked than say New York. So do you guys think, I mean, I know obviously it's just, uh, a, a game and stuff like that but like on our uh off-season app right there have been a few times where like Killian's fallen to me in it and I get super hyped for it but do you think that is feasible that Killian falls or do you think the Knicks would have to trade up to get him I, I think it's possible yeah I, 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 we I was gonna say this earlier you mentioned KOC having him as the number one player on his big board but he still has him to the Knicks in his mock. So I think even the, the draft guys that love Killian, there's a, there's a pretty big variance between where he is on big boards and where he is on mocks. So I don't think anybody sees him in the top three necessarily. Which I don't know why. I, I really don't get it because in this draft, I feel like we're trying to find certainty and you know more or less what you're getting in Killian. That's why I really don't understand why the top half teams like I think he shouldn't go lower than Chicago, but too many mocks have had him going even past the Knicks to Phoenix. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. It seems like he could go anywhere between four and yeah, 10 ish probably is his floor, but yeah, it's very strange. Like I, I don't really understand like taking Tyrese Halliburton over him, for example. And I feel like we see that in a lot of mock drafts and maybe it's just that GMs are still kind of like more skeptical of 
Euro League and things like that, but it, yeah. it's very strange. Yeah, would he you seems be really shocked? Strange. Would you be shocked if that happens? Not that you think it should, but if that is the way it goes, would you be surprised? Surprised? No, just because we've seen it so many times on boards, and like t- there is a certain amount of where I'm like, I'll believe it when I see it, just because. I don't know. I have a hard time some with some of the like. I think Halliburton has to go to a really good spot. Like I, I've I've seen Halliburton mocked to the Pistons a lot, and I think that that would be an absolute train wreck. Like there's no one for him to play off of. Like unless we're assuming that Blake Griffin is like back and at his like 2018 third team All NBA level. Like I don't see any reason. Not that like and like Killian would struggle there too, but he at least seems like he would be able to handle like having the ball in his hand and just be like, you take the ball up, you're our guy and we're going to get some shooters around you. Like, so I wouldn't be surprised, but I would consider it a mistake is what I'd say. And I feel like in that scenario, that's where seeing what he did overseas should help him. Cause that's kind of what he had to do with his German team this year. Right. And I have a question for Jess and Nick specifically. This is anecdotally, but when I was looking at, Killian highlights he gets guarded pretty tightly no matter who he's facing mm-hmm. do you think that's why he relied more on his strong hand like he just didn't have enough time to use that non-dominant hand do you think that's a reason why because every clip he's like hell-bent on not going right and he'll make a weird two-handed pass skip pass if he's forced way too far to the sideline so do you think it's more of defense or it's just him not trusting that hand I mean, I feel like the if anything, they would be trying to force him right, right? Like, and if that's what they're giving you, like, you should use that. But, yeah, I'm not sure. Nick, what do you think? I, I think it's a comfort thing. I don't think that's indicative of the defense necessarily. I, I think even if it is, it's it's because he's just not – he doesn't ever appear in anything I've ever watched of him. He never looks comfortable or – has like a real willingness to go to his right. Yeah, no. And the times that the teams were forcing him to go right, he would literally like almost go out of his way yeah. to keep forcing left. And then he would do that two-handed skip pass I mentioned where it's like. It, it, it's right. funny you mentioned that. Cause I think if you look up, if you were to just go on YouTube and look up like whatever passing compilation of, of Killian, half of the passes that he makes that are the more like highlight type passes are kind of unnecessary and avoiding there were easier options mm-hmm. and yeah. then he turns it around with with like the the two and skip pass or or a bigger kind of highlight pass that wasn't necessary in the first place yeah, yeah for- i think it's also oh, sorry just one more thing to him going left like it really seems like his team like they they schemed ways to get the offense like they would send like multiple screens to get him going left. Like it seemed like they worked really hard to get him going to the direction that he needed to go to. Cause, because I think they recognize like, if you're going to have the ball in his hands, you have to do what is best like for him to succeed. And the way to do it is to really scheme so that he can attack going left. Cause every time he goes to the right, he's like, he slows down, he gets more hesitant. The passes become a lot hard. Like you need that extra half second. If you're switching the ball back to your left hand to make the pass. So it seems like they were like really actively working to get him doing that. 
And it is kind of bizarre to me because it's like, yeah, he's only 19, but like this is this was his third professional year. Like, it's surprising to me that that would be so much of an issue. I don't know. It's just. What's also interesting, just like because I brought up the Halliburton thing earlier, it's like it is kind of funny because Halliburton is like equally as right hand dominant. Like, I think that. I, I saw something that like the only two left-handed att- uh, attempts at the rim this year were on tippins. Like he did not do a single lefty layup. So it's, it is really interesting how like, and he's another guy who's like a little bit more polished as a sophomore in college. Like uh, you don't really hear about it for righties as much as lefties, but also it is something to consider on a team that has RJ who's super left-hand dominant. And, you know, we have to assume until we see otherwise that Julius Randle's still on this team so, yeah, it, it, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those things where I keep going back and forth. I'm like, is this being overblown? And is it just like a natural, like, a guy has a hand that he prefers to play with and like, that's what he uses? Or is this actually, like, something to monitor? And I think it is, like, somewhere in between. It, it is something to monitor, but it's probably not, like, a fatal flaw. Right side of the court is just going to be a... I, I just want the Knicks to take him and have a... Have a what? Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Guess this. I want a shot turn only the left side of the court. <laughs> yeah, bring like... up Lamar Peters. We'll just have all Iggy Bradakis can start at the three. We'll just have all lefties. Oh god. I mean, but think about it. If you add Desmond Bain later in the draft, you know how many weak side flares he's gonna get? Like just completely <laughs> wide open. The the shot chart will just be like red <laughs> on the left side, and then just from those flare screens, just like one red spot. Dark red, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with it. I'm down for it. Let's yes. just get. Let's just get. I just. Let's just get weird. I don't care. <laughs> let's get as weird as possible. Like uh, Eli's. Uh, what was it Detroit last night? Was that the? Oh, it was the Wizards. The Wizards. The most interesting team <laughs> in most, basketball. The most weird team ever. <laughs> Yeah, like killing I can't on the wait Wizards. for people to see that. <laughs> What'd you say, Mike? No, I'm just saying, like, Killian being tutored by J- by John Walls could either go really well or really poorly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be fun next to Brad Beal, though. Oh, very fun. For sure. Rui. You have Rui there still? I like I like that Suns move more and more I think about it, though. Oh, I really hope if he doesn't end up in New York, that's where he goes. Yeah. That'd be fun. Suns were just so fun in the bubble. So that's just like how I think of them now for always. Yeah. Now yeah. getting to add the 10th pick is just, yeah, that's such a, a little cherry on top of that great <laughs> end of the year. Yeah. For sure. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, that's all I have for Killian. Is there anything you guys want to add? Um, yeah, I wanted to like, do you guys think he can, I mean, we kind of talked about at the beginning, but I really don't, I feel like Killian, would you rather have Killian and Frank? Like who would you think gets cut out more? I think Frank is actually safer than RJ if Killian comes to town and ends up being like really, really good because I want them talking French all the time. Yes. Well, RJ could speak French too. So I know that's what I'm saying. I think, yeah, Julius Randle being there also makes it even worse right now. So, I don't know, Eli, what do you, like, assuming, let's assume, let's assume Randle's staying for now, or even, let's say Christian Wood comes in and Randle's shipped out for, I don't know, let's let's use the draft season app. Um, He gets shipped out for Gary Harris in a first. 
but you add Christian Wood and Killian now. So how does that work out for like RJ and Frank? And... So I'm basically at the point where I, I, I love Frank. I will never not love Frank, but I, I'm, I feel like he is more of a combo guard slash wing at this point. And I think that that's okay. If he's just like a wing with secondary playmaking, as long as he can like improve on, like he was a pretty good shooter from the corners this year. If he can improve on that and get like, just be a good shooter from the wing in the corners with some like secondary playmaking, like he'll probably come off the bench for, you know, the foreseeable future. But I, I think that there is like an outcome where you have like a Killian Frank RJ at the one, two, three, and it's not disastrous, but there's also plenty of outcomes where that is just absolutely abysmal. And like, it, I mean, it's, it's a great defensive foundation. Like you got three guys who are six, six or six, five to six, whatever RJ is six, seven. Um, six seven yeah yeah so you could just like you could switch literally everything between the guards and the wing spots and you just have to pray that at least one to two of them pop as a shooter but i i really don't think that i i don't think it would be ideal but i don't think that it's impossible to see how that succeeds like i think that there is there are avenues to success for that and i think that that killian frank potential like team defense is really good too those traps imagine a half court trap with those guys yeah yeah like if you have those three guys plus mitch and then whoever at the four like that is a recipe for a top defense in the league yeah right yeah and then you just that's what i'm saying like if they can add a straight score into that starting lineup i can be talked into it davis bertans yeah so like if you had bertans and you just say dude just shoot as many threes as you possibly can <laughs> and just we'll worry about everything else i think and- it could work yeah, I'm very into this team. I don't hate the fit with anyone but Julius Randle, but it's also because I don't like the fit with Julius Randle and any other player in the NBA. So, <laughs> yeah. I really think wood the wood noise is legit enough that we can at least begin to think of life after Randle. And I think wood wood fits wood fits much better with this potential team or anyone the Knicks added eight because Melo's slipping guys because I think he's like projected to like six now. So that's only two spots away. I feel like he can easily end up at eight at this point. Yeah. We will see. Yeah, we see. know Atlanta wants to trade six for a productive player. It's just too bad the Knicks don't really have any of those to offer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what Atlanta – like, I really don't know. That's another team that's, like, in front of the Knicks that I have no idea what they're prioritizing. So it's not like we can even give them, like, knocks or – even an extra first round pick. It's like, I don't really know. I know they probably want to be a little better than they were the last few years since they have. Yeah, but it's weird because they're like loaded at every position. Right. Like they've got, they've got a bunch of wings, but they still seem to always be mocked to getting wings. And then they've got Collins and Capella. They've got Deadman on his like weird and big long contract. They, They don't have a backup point guard. Like maybe they're drafting that at six, but I don't know. I like, unless they don't really, it seems like maybe they don't buy into Herder that much because of all the, there's always rumblings about them trying to upgrade the two spot. Like I feel like they're an interesting drew holiday destination. Mm. If they were like willing to put some pieces in there. Um, I, will, I will gladly take Herder on my team. I would love I mean, that. You'd be great on the Knicks. Yes, he would. Red velvet. City rocks, baby. <laughs> that, is a great, that has to be a top five nickname. Yeah. That's one of my favorite nicknames. <laughs> 
red. Uh, five one eight. Let's do it. I don't know what I would do. I'd imagine think... we get Hoarder and Zay. No, I can't. No, I can't imagine these things, Mike, <laughs> because my brain explodes. <laughs> the City Rock Knicks. Oh, oh, stop it. That'd be so dope. <laughs> uh, dope. All right. Well, to keep it real for the people, I'm not going to lie. Our Zoom meeting is about to run out, and I think that's a good place to stop. Um, yeah, but. I have to agree. You know, we're we're getting we're finally like I can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel for draft. We're almost yeah. there. And How great is today, Ben? I was able to say like the draft is days away, the season is weeks away. Yeah. Great time. The election is over. Bro- the election Bro- is Brooklyn over. Brooklyn popped the F off. It was great. <laughs> yeah. I like got I didn't know it was happening, got a text from my aunt at it was like what was it, ten? 1033 or 1133 mm-hmm. and then at 1134 i just heard car honking and screaming and it was phenomenal good screaming though yeah yeah Ho- hooting <laughs> and hollering if you will <laughs> gotcha <sighs> dope all right well uh nick it sounds like you have something coming out next week so hopefully by the time everyone hears this that'll be out so that'll be cool yeah, um, Monday the 9th, so depending on when you're listening to this, it should be out already. I'll have an article on the other European prospects or international prospects in the draft. We've talked on this pod as well as others about Denny at length, at now Killian at length, and Poku at length. So I'm going to be talking about all the rest of the – the international prospects that will go in either the first or second, maybe undrafted. My guy is really Pat Bev. You got to, got to read that one. <laughs> Not Israeli Steph Curry, huh? <laughs> the YouTube, no, the YouTube no. highlight scouting lied to us. And I, am, I for one am shocked. For the first time, Eli, for the first time <laughs> ever, those are not accurate. Damn, breaking news. Uh, Eli, you have anything to keep your our eyes out for i do uh mike and i actually have oh, a right. piece we i uh, plugged it a little bit on our last draft season but uh yeah we've got a piece coming out uh it should be tuesday the day after nick's piece comes out um kind of doing a little more in-depth breakdown of looking at kira lewis and tyrese maxi i wonder what side mike is on <laughs> so basically the whole scope just a preview for the folks but really it's like we talked about this on last draft season uh mike that we can't even call it like a debate like it's it, it's a love fest because you both really like both guys so it's yeah like... exactly so i think the only argument is i'm going to make a case for tyrese maxi being kyle lowry 2.0 and then eli gets to call me an idiot so Nice. That, that sounds, sounds like good. fun. Be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Get my popcorn ready. Yo. <laughs> well. Uh. Make sure you're following everyone. Make sure you're following the Knicks wall. Uh. We got Eli at T Half Court Press. Mike at Cortez Era. Nick at Not the Fake NC with all the underscores, and I am at J Ryan Forty Four. And uh, keep your eyes peeled on Twitter. I think we're going to do some listener questions, hopefully probably week of the draft. I think will be a good time to do that. Um, maybe we'll get weird with it and go live. Cause I think I should have Twitch figured out by then. We'll, uh, mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, 
thanks guys for joining and we will catch everyone next time.